0: It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our 20 million movement Bible study, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time, and you get to be a part of it. Okay, so what do we need to talk about next? We probably should talk about the NDOT Digital because that was on yes. again last night. So I had such a great response and really I think I had some of the most insightful questions over the last two presentations that I've ever seen coming through on the Digital.
1: Oh, Do you remember them? Can you tell us what they were?
0: Okay, so one of them was um, in the... In the seventy week prophecy of Daniel chapter nine, mm-hmm. the prophecy is divided initially into seven weeks, mm-hmm. sixty two weeks, and then obviously one week,
1: mm-hmm. which does seem confusing if you just read. Now first the part.
0: last week is easy because it's divided in half, yep. right? And and that kind of makes a whole lot of sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But what about the first seven? What, why why seven weeks and sixty two? Why don't you say sixty nine? I don't what think. happened in the first seven weeks? Oh, okay. I have stumped. I have stumped the Bible worker. I have stumped the school teacher here this morning. <laughs> it's actually a bit of a worry when you stump your own student. Minnie used to be one of my students back in the day, and now I'm feeling like a total failure. Aye. Okay. So basically, what happens is uh, you've got seven days in a week. Yeah. You've got seven weeks. Yes. So seven times seven. Yeah. Day for a year. Day for a year. Mm gives you 49 days in total. Yes. That's 49 years mm-hmm. if you go from 457 BC when the Bible when the when the prophecy starts and you go forward 49 years from there, it's mm-hmm. going to bring you to 408 BC. Yep. Which is the year in which the rebuilding, rebuilding of Jerusalem was completed.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: That so that's, so that's why. That's, okay. that's why it's divided up that way. Anyway. Okay, okay. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So because it's from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem, mm. and that's the subject matter, it answers the question about the subject matter like, oh, how long is that going to take? It's going to take 49 years. Oh,
1: I see. And then yeah. it says
0: there'll be another 62 years until you get to 62 months, I should say, until you get to... Um, what did I say? I'm losing my like 62 <laughs> weeks.
1: Weeks, weeks. Until you comes, get to yeah.
0: Messiah the Prince, which is 483 years.
1: Yes. No, see, you did try to teach me this. I love history. Don't remember numbers. You give me a story in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the story. Okay, that's the event because people are involved. My life remembers people. Numbers are a little bit more sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: fantastic stuff. All right. So that's what that one's all about. The other question is how do we know that Stephen was stoned to death in 34 AD?
1: Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's and
0: a, another really good question. A great
1: question. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that just be based on that similar prophecy as well?
0: Well, it is. I mean, that the, prophes- well, the prophecy ends the in 34 AD, Yeah, uh, which is when the gospel goes to the Gentiles for the first time, so mm. it ends in 34 AD. And, of course, uh, the gospel goes to the Gentiles for the first time just after Stephen is stoned to death.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So we could do it that way and we could say, well, the prophecy says it would happen then. But how do we know that that is historically verifiably true? How can we look that up in history and find out in what year Stephen was stoned to death? What do you answer? Well, you know, we've got a great Bible study this morning. We probably should get into it. Oh, okay. uh, Matthew chapter 5, and verse 17 is where we're going to start. Um, we well, could just
1: go watch last night's The End if you want to know the answer to that question. Just go watch yesterday. It response? wasn't answered. Oh, you didn't answer? No. <gasps> Are you going to do it tonight? When's it going to get no. answered? The uh, people well, need to know. You, if you stay tuned. Oh, okay. If okay, you, st- if you okay, stay tuned. Okay, okay. I'm going to down. All right, all right.
0: If you stay tuned, uh, there might be answers to your questions.
1: Mm. And now tell me, what do you just tell me? What chapter? 15?
0: Uh, Five. Okay.
1: There's a five in there. See, man numbers. Yes. We're not the best of friends. We'll all try. right, there's
0: some text messages going here. Uh, let me just see what we've got Happening, 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 happening. Oh, while we're talking about the N. Digital mm. and some of the really good questions that we got last night, somebody just wanted to comment. Last night I watched the second episode of He is the One. He is the One at the N.Digital. Uh, what amazing prophecies and presentation, a real blessing to the true seekers of Jesus Christ. And I've got to say that you know the prophecy of Daniel 9 is the most sensational prophecy of Jesus Christ that there is. Yeah. It's undeniable. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're, if you're an atheist or an agnostic, my question is, or even a person of a different faith, what are you going to do about that prophecy?
2: Mm.
0: Please explain.
1: Mm. But, you know, it's a shame because a whole lot of people don't look at it at all. Like not just...
0: M- very few Christians read that prophecy. Yeah. a whole bunch of them mess it up when they do. It's bizarre. You go back 150 years, everybody knew the prophecy, it was straightforward, it was simple to calculate and now everyone's like, oh, we don't know anymore.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And when I speak on it and I do a presentation like I did last night on uh, the Digital then i have all these people going oh, we've never heard this before Yeah, this right. is new this is a new discovery you've discovered something new and i haven't discovered anything new in the bible go back to the like 1700s and read what sir isaac newton read about yeah, it yeah so many of wrote them about it.
1: thought this right
0: yeah th- they yeah, all understood, they understood. It. yeah it was very clear in everybody's mind it's yeah. only in it's interesting the bible says at the end of time jesus says take heed that no man deceive you mm. for many false christs and false prophets will come in my name deceiving many saying i am christ and deceiving many
1: mm. Yeah,
0: and then in within the space of 12 verses, he repeats that four times. Watch out at the end of time for there's going to be a whole lot of deception. Hmm. And so that's what we should expect. We should expect people to have a less clear understanding of the Bible the closer we get to the end of time.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's important to know that though, hey? It is. Well, um, what did you say? Chapter 5, verse something? Did you have another to read? Were, you reading, were you reading something else? No?
0: Oh, text messages. Okay. We need the text messages. Yeah. Let me see what's, see what's come through here. Uh, this person says, being an ex-Roman Catholic, I should mention that while it is true that the current Pope is considered the rock, all previous Popes were also considered the rock of the Catholic Church, starting with Peter.
1: Yeah. That's
0: right. And so we talked about how that uh, Joe Biden in his acceptance speech to the Electoral um, College in the US had stated that he was going to build the country on the rock Mm. and that being for a Roman Catholic, he's going to build it on Pope Francis. Mm -hmm. Well, if Pope Francis dies tomorrow, that doesn't mean that the rock has died. Um, So that's a good clarification there Um, and, um, yeah, just glad to have that clarification Uh, Yeah, I think that's all we've got for text messages. So, um,
1: yeah. Fantastic.
0: We can get into our Bible study. Okay. Let's see if your dodgy translation can butcher this verse or not. It might actually be very good.
1: (laughs) Tell me again what the verse is Matthew
0: chapter 5 and verse 17. Verse
1: 17. Okay, I'm going to say a prayer before I start. Lord God, be with us now. Um, we are opening a word. Um, we want to know more of who you are. So open our eyes and hearts to the knowledge of you, but a knowledge that we can um, come to know you by, not just fill our heads with. Um, thank you for your goodness in hearing our prayers and your goodness towards us. Amen. Amen. Um, verse. You did. I've asked you like four times now. Tell me the verse. Seventeen.
0: Seventeen.
1: <laughs> oh my days. Okay, so don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. Or the writings of the prophet. Is that what I'm not reading? That
0: no, that's the right one. That's actually a really good translation.
1: Yeah. I um, no,
0: stop there. don't read any further. I'm not come to abolish the, the law or the prophets. Yes. Okay. I want you to think about that for a moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is Jesus speaking for context. If you don't have your Bible yes, in front of you, this is
0: Jesus speaking. Mm. And I'm going to focus in here, particularly on the law. Um, we need to fo- we need to think about that for a moment. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So, what's the opposite of abolish?
1: Maintain, continue. Yeah.
0: Uphold. Establish, yep. uphold. Okay, so the opposite of abolish. Let's put it down for establish. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can go with that. All right. <laughs> so Jesus says, let's let's look, let's look at this verse mm-hmm. that He has not come to do what? Abolish. Abolish what? The law. The law.
1: And the writings of the prophets.
0: And the writings of the prophets. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, most people when they read the Bible are going to agree with, oh, of course, he's not going to abolish the writings of the prophets. That's the Bible. Mm. But there's a whole bunch of people out there that are like, yes, when Jesus came, he took the law and he nailed it to the cross. Mm -hmm. He abolished the law. He abolished the Ten Commandments. What did Jesus specifically say he has not? Come to do. Read that for me again.
1: Mm, Let's make it clear. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. You know, it's
0: almost like Jesus knew that at the end of time there'd be people out there who would get confused over this and think that the law of God had been abolished and nailed to the cross and done away with. And he's like, okay, let me clarify this. How can I write this down as clear as I possibly (laughs) can? Okay, let me write it this way. Don't misunderstand me. Mm. Don't get this wrong. Mm -hmm. Let me make this clear. I have not come. To abolish. to abolish. the law.
1: I will play devil's-eyed kid,
0: kid uh, for a hot minute. No, so uh,
1: okay, no, no, no. It's nothing even like hectic, um, but I have, had, <laughs> I have had conversations with people and when they read this, and I actually totally understand where they're coming from, they say, but it says the law of Moses and we know that uh, that Moses was given a law, so there's 10 commandments, but then there's also, you know, like you look at all your Levitical laws
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're like, we don't do any of those things. And I'm like, that's true. So I can say if you just read this as abolish the law of Moses, they go, we don't do those things. That is what Jesus is saying. Let
0: me read it to you from this translation right here. Where was the Verse 17. Think not yeah. that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. Oh. I have come to destroy. I have not come to destroy but to fulfill. Does your say Moses there? It
1: specifically says Moses. But that's
0: not in the original translation. Yeah, but it's so not in the original language. Yeah, Moses so has been added thing. in by your translation. <laughs> okay, so your translation is actually good because I like the word abolish. That's a very strong word. Yes, it is. And then it puts in Moses.
1: But this is the thing. This is why when we're reading, that's the thing. If this is my only Bible translation, this actually isn't my Bible version, but there can be big misunderstandings oh, oh, coming. No, you, no, no, you, you try no. You're trying to disown I'm, this one? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you, just, you just tried to uh, disown it? Look here. <laughs> You're trying to stitch me up. Um, <laughs> but this is why it's really important. And I still believe the word of God is the word of God. Like, Yes. we can. I could get to know Jesus through reading, this absolutely. Translation. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but some small things can become very significant.
0: They can indeed, right? Uh, and and I just got to say, you know, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and became a Christian reading the NIV.
1: Mm.
0: And you're reading an NLT there, which is better than the NIV, <laughs> in my opinion. These are all my opinions.
1: Yeah, but you say with confidence, now, so we think it should be true. That's right. Absolutely,
0: everybody <laughs> believes me. Um, don't believe me. Go ahead and
1: check it out for yes, yourself. Yes, that's right.
0: But now I've moved towards a more word-for-word word rather than thought-for-thought thought translation, mm. um, which is uh, why I love the uh, King James Version uh, family Bibles. Bibles. Mm. I, I just like my old KJV. Mm-hmm,
1: that you're it's falling just... apart, yes. KJV. <laughs> I think I prefer New King James because when I'm with other people reading it, I can translate it as I go, yes. but it's easier if I just give it to them, they can also just read it.
0: Okay, let's now read the next verse because Jesus made it very clear. He's like, don't misunderstand me. I haven't come to abolish the law.
1: Okay, so I'm just going to finish that verse. So this says, no, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved.
0: Okay, so let's think about this for a moment then. Uh, If you want to know whether God's law still stands or not, you know what you need? A window. What? You need a window.
1: Okay, explain.
0: Yeah. You need a window. Look outside the window. Yeah. Can you see the earth? Yes. Can you see the heavens, as in the atmospheric heavens? Oh,
1: okay, yes, 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 yes I can. Yes. You uh-huh. can see both of those. Yes, They're both still there. I was wondering what you should Are say. you <laughs> sure?
0: Are you sure they are both still there?
1: Well, I can look and see it.
0: Well then, God's law is still there. Yes, because yes. God says, "Not one jot or one tittle." What does your say? For jot, and I think
1: tittle? not even the smallest detail.
0: Smallest detail. Okay, jots and tittles were punctuation marks. Yeah. So, not the slightest punctuation mark is going to disappear from the law of God, while ever heaven and earth are there.
1: Mm. It's pretty hectic.
0: It's pretty strong language. That is a huge it's like tool. Jesus, Jesus saying it, you know, in as in as strong as language as he possibly can. In uh, the KJV, it says, "Think not that I have come to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Mm. For truly I say unto you, uh, heaven and earth, till, uh, for, till truly I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, what not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all is fulfilled." Mm. Um. I
1: was just gonna say. I think this is something we might have even spoken on the radio, of, maybe a few weeks ago. That if Jesus said it, believed it, taught it, experienced whatever, it's got to be good enough for us. That's so right. If he's speaking this thing, just being like, "Man, this is important," and we look to Jesus as our savior and as our example, if he's there going, "Man, I'm not, I'm not here to get rid of this," doesn't really make sense. For
0: us to, My turn turn to play devil's advocate. (laughs) Oh,
1: here we go. Here we go. Okay. Go on then. All
0: right. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. Didn't Jesus fulfill it on the cross?
1: Well, no, because we just finished saying that if heaven and earth is still there.
0: Ah, it has not yet finished. Yeah. So So Jesus adds that in Mm. just in case we misunderstand what he means by the word fulfill.
1: Yeah. And this is the really important part of not just, what's it called? Is it proof texting where you just have your one text? Yeah. And you, you don't look at any of the other context or surrounding That's verses. That's right. Mm.
0: Because if you study the subject of the law in the New Testament, which speaks more about the law yeah. than the Old Testament <laughs> <Yeah>. does. This <laughs> is great. Uh, and you try and do away with the law, mm. you're really going to have a lot of struggles. Mm. You know, you got one or two verses that can be read that that, that way, maybe three, mm. and then you have a mountain of other laws. You know, like the the mountain of other verses, like you know, that wherefore the law is holy and just and good. Mm. Yeah. I would not have known sin without the law. Without without the law, there is no sin. Mm. Does
1: know? does it actually say that the law is now to the cross though? I think Paul talks about. Something, right? Because there is a verse is people no use. no verse
0: this. that says that the law is nailed to the cross.
1: What is the verse that people use? I know there's one, and Colossians I can't think of it. Colossians chapter 2.
0: Yeah. Verse 14. Which says, the ordinances were nailed to the cross.
1: Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: The word and, and the word ordinance is translated from a word which means religious ceremonies,
1: which is kind of the Levitical laws. Yeah, that's right. Ceremonial stuff. Yeah. The
0: ceremonial laws. Mm. That's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Which is important. It's important to note Mm -hmm. that too.
0: And some people have taken to calling those the laws of Moses. No, they're not the laws of God. They are the laws of God. Mm -hmm. They are the sacrificial laws.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: None of the laws were the laws of Moses.
1: No, yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know why your your translation puts Moses in there. It's got nothing to do with Moses.
1: I've heard many people, like pastors, lay people, just church members speak about law of Moses, first law of God though.
0: And I'm like, hey. And that they are all the law of God. When did, yes. when did Moses sit down and, like, eh, I'm going to make up all these laws? You know what seems like a good sacrifices.
1: idea? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Moses did not do that. No. Moses went up into the mountain. He sat down with God. And God said, OK, these are the laws. Write them down. And he wrote them down. And he came back. He wrote them in a book. He came back. Yeah. And he read them to the people.
1: Yeah.
0: That's what happened. Yeah. These are the laws of God. Absolutely. And so because they are the laws of God, God has the right to say what he does with them and what he does not do with them. Okay, so we need to go over to our next passage, which is still in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse
1: 1. It says that about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some prophecies saw them do it and protested.
0: Some Pharisees.
1: That's what did I just say? Prophecies.
0: Prophecies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pharisees. That's what I'm going for. So the Pharisees say, look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath.
0: Okay, let's stop there for a moment and let's think about this because one time I was speaking on the subject of the Sabbath and I had a number of people who came to me and they said, well, we should always follow the example of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And... Jesus broke the Sabbath, mm. therefore we should break the Sabbath as well. Mm. In other words, we should not keep the Sabbath. To which but, I replied, mm-hmm. to which I replied, Who was it that stated that Jesus had broken the Sabbath?
1: Yeah. It was the people. It was Specifically, the
0: Pharisees. the Pharisees.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And of course, when they said, Well, you know, it was the Pharisees, I'm like said, I said, so Whose side are you on?
1: (laughs) Oh, hey. Shots fired, mate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It probably wasn't the most winning argument to make, but anyway. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Johnny's on the phone, um, during the uh, song break, um, we just uh, had uh, Shane Winfield who contacted us and I'm like, hey, you've got a great project. Jump on the phone. Tell us all about it. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Shane. I understand that you're involved with Road to Bethlehem.
2: Yes, um, yeah, it's a Christmas program has been going on for about 25 years um, down in Victoria, and it's spread out throughout all of Australia and New Zealand now too.
0: That's fantastic. This is a project that I really want to uh, I really want to get some promotion. Uh, there are a whole bunch. Of, do you know how many of them there are operating at the moment? Um,
2: I well, this year there's only unfortunately only about two. Um, ah, COVID, previous, of course. I think we've had up to about 11, I think.
0: And which two are operating this year?
2: Um, New Zealand and Victoria.
0: Wow. wow. <laughs> go Victoria. I wasn't expecting you to say Victoria. No. <laughs> they've come a long way in a short space of time, haven't they?
2: Well, the Victorian one has actually had to go online this year due to their lockdown. Mm. Right. Um, So they've got a very different program to what they've used. But normally it's a walk-through program where the community comes to the the this location and they get to walk through and, meet the actors and all that as they go through this year due to lockdown they had to actually film it um previously during lockdown uh, one one, and upload that so it's a very different program um, but still has the same message
0: absolutely can you can you can you walk us through what a typical because obviously you know we we imagine god willing that road to bethlehem walkthroughs uh will be back right around the country next year um, and of course, for our New Zealand listeners, um, can you can you walk us through a road to Bethlehem experience and just sort of build a word picture of what a person would see and experience?
2: Yeah, well, usually um, at a walk through experience, people would um, they rock up, they they get introduced to the program, and then from that they get an invite to go back in time to Nazareth or um, back in BC era. Uh, where they meet Mary and Joseph, and then they get introduced to the story through and out. Um, Mary gets visited by an angel, or gets a message from the angel that she's going to have a baby, and then each step of the way from them, we have, I think, about seven or eight stops after that, um, where follow the story. So the crowd goes from one spot, they meet Mary, then they go to the next spot, the wise men. They hear the wise men have come because they've been following a star, and from that they go to the palace, and see him being very angry with them and wanting to know about this king. And then from that, we get the the shepherds, the, the big angel, the, the angel which comes and gives the shepherds the good news. Then you meet the innkeeper who tells you about the experience of meeting this couple who've come in, you know, need a place to stay. And then you meet the um, the final scene where you meet Mary and Joseph with the baby and you get the the full cool meaning of the Christmas story.
0: So rather than being on a stage where you would have, you know, a different set for each one of those scenes, this is actually yep. set up over a very large outdoor area where you've got yes. all of the all of the sets that have been set up um, you've got all of the props, you know, a lot of them will have real, you know, horses and camels and donkeys and all that kind of stuff and Roman soldiers wandering around and keeping everybody in line and and uh, and, and this kind of thing. And rather than, you know, the set's changing on a stage, you actually move from one set to the other to learn about the story of Jesus.
2: Yeah, yeah it's quite a walk. Um takes about half a for the whole set. Um, and, yeah, so you walk from one scene to the next scene, you know, probably about, you know, Fifty meters each, each seat apart, type thing, but add that up after a while.
0: That's um, amazing. Um, if 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 yeah. we were to take one of these uh, road to Bethlehem's, an example, let's um just say uh, it's the Victorian one, uh, for instance. How many how many people would would that cater for each year?
2: Victorian uh, one, they have about twenty six groups a night. Each group has about one hundred to one hundred and fifty people in it. So.
0: Yeah, you start to and do, and that the, goes over four nights. They start to do the math on that, and that is uh, yeah. literally thousands and thousands of people who are going through the Road to Bethlehem experience. Mm. Um, it is, yes. And this would be set up over what a number of acres. What, what kind of what kind of an area do they use to set up Road to Bethlehem?
2: Um, they often use schools or parks, um, like you know campgrounds or stuff like that, which they can get access to, and. Um, yeah, so they set up on that. The biggest thing is trying to make sure you've got car park enough for all these people, and places for them to mingle, and um, yeah, you know, waiting areas and all that. So it's a it's a quite a big program that
0: needed. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a great way of at this time of year telling the story of Jesus. Uh, telling that you know, because you know, we get so swallowed up in the commercialism of Christmas, it's just fantastic to see the uh, the the real the real story of Jesus actually being told in a way that um, yeah people can sort of see it and relate to it. And uh, so, tell me about baby Jesus. How do you how do you have baby Jesus?
2: <laughs> um, they have a a well, a friend of mine who actually goes around looking for babies that can be acting the scene. So each year she finds people who are almost ready to drop a bundle and invite them to have their baby as part of the program. Oh. And that has been a real special thing for many people. Um, th- this year was very different, though, because of the lockdown. Um, they had to find creative ways around it.
0: Yes, I want to talk about that in just a moment, but I do want to mention that uh, we have a special guest uh, who is joining us this morning. Our producer has, um, has, ha- has his family visiting from uh, far north Queensland and we've sort of had uh, one brother at a time who's come and joined us for the breakfast show and Jacob's here this morning. Jacob, I understand that uh, you were baby Jesus at one stage. Was that true? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he believes so. He doesn't actually remember the event. He would have been uh, a couple of weeks old. That, yes. that would have
2: been the Perth one, yes.
0: There you go. Wow, there you go.
1: Another of Liam's brothers was the first baby Jesus in no, in, in Perth's first dread to Bethlehem. Mate, your family is
2: all involved. Right <laughs> ah, on. fantastic. Awesome. Okay.
0: So Shane, tell us about the digital one and tell us how we can interact with the digital one. How does how is this one working?
2: Well the digital one is they have kind of taken a bit of a, a leap out of you know, reality T V shows where instead of we we can't actually see the program. Uh, they couldn't get actors all together because of all the restrictions of how many people you could have in a room. So instead, what they've done is just interviewed each character as to what their experience was. So you've got Mary being interviewed about meeting the angel, and you've got Joseph being interviewed about you know being told from Mary that she's going to have a baby. And it just goes through that type of a style. So instead of having the people interacting with each other, um, you've got them relating uh, the story and how it affected them changed after this and that happened and um and then from that um they actually came up the choir at the end uh, where they actually filmed a bunch of people at home and pasted it all together so it's a very um modern way of doing things in in COVID style
0: they fantastic stuff shane and you've been involved in the production
2: Um, I've been involved in putting the website together and making kids games. So there's a whole kids zone section, which is full of, um, puzzles, jigsaws, finder words, um, printable, downloadable Christmas things, um, and games. Um, Kaz from Happy Hands has put up some pages as well for kids. Um, so the whole pile of stuff there for kids as well, as well as the program. Amazing. So when when you go to the site, you can... You go down, you can see each scene and put a little bit of a text to go with it to flesh it out a bit more um, so people can, can make it more of an experience.
0: Fantastic. And uh, how do we access all of this? Um, roadtobethlehem.org. That's pretty easy, roaddeadbethlehem.org. All right, so everybody head over to to roaddeadbethlehem.org and you'll be able to see the uh, online version of Road to Bethlehem if you're not in New Zealand. Of course, if you're in New Zealand, look up the live one and uh, download all of those resources right there. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. I I think
1: it's time for...
2: Question of the Day.
1: And our question is something along the lines of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but how do we know that when Stephen was stoned to death that that was the time prophecy?
0: No, how do we know place? what year yes. it well, was yes. that, that took place? Yes. Okay, so basically scholars are going to give you, uh, cr- chronologists are going to give you a um, either two dates, one of two dates for the stoning of Stephen, mm-hmm. um, that being either 34 or 35 AD and they base that a lot a lot around the conversion of Saul, mm-hmm. Paul. And so um, it comes about as a result of, okay, when was Paul converted? And we know that Paul was converted just after the stoning of Stephen. We know that the stoning of Stephen was um, a, had a major impact on Paul, yeah. Saul, at that particular time. So if you go back through the story, you find that Stephen is stoned to death. Uh, you find that Saul is there. He's not actually throwing stones in this particular instance. He's just there holding everybody's coats while they go and do it because apparently it's going to be hard work. And so he's holding all of their coats while they stone this guy to death and consenting to it. And he gets really stirred up by it and he's like, okay, we're going to go and execute every Christian we can lay our hands on. Mm. And he starts dragging them all off and locking them all up and uh, executing them wherever he can. Heads off to Damascus because apparently a bunch of Christians went up there. And what this does is it creates a massive dispersion of Christians which creates a dispersion of Christianity because mm-hmm. wherever up until this particular point Christianity was a Jewish religion that existed in Jerusalem alone. Persecution comes along. The Christians are in despair, but it's actually God's plan because now the gospel goes to the whole world. And, of course, it's during this time that Philip goes down to Samaria. He preaches to the Samaritans down there. The gospel goes to the Gentiles, to non-Jewish people for the very first time ever. Okay, that then results in uh, Paul traveling to Damascus. It's on his way to Damascus that Paul is converted Given that there is a very limited amount of time between these events, the event of Paul's conversion and Stephen stoning, then you've got a number of indications that indicate Paul's conversion in 34 AD, and you've got another number of other indications that indicate Stephen stoning in 34 AD, then that gives you, you know, it starts to triangulate a date. So now you've got a date that's been triangulated because uh, you've got two different events that are being set by scholars on that same particular date. Now, there is room for variation up until this point. And some scholars are like, yeah, but it could have been 35 AD. Okay, well, it could have been 35 AD. All right, can we then triangulate it further? And this is the interesting thing with history. When you study history, history is somewhat limited.
1: Mm.
0: And there are some things that are very, very... Well recorded in history, such as you know the death of Jesus Christ and so forth. There are other things that are less well recorded, and that's where you go back to inspiration. And inspiration can answer some of those questions for you. Of course, the seventy weeks will tell you that. Will clarify you if you're asking, was it thirty-four or thirty-five? Then inspiration is going to say thirty-four, and you've got your right date there. Thanks
1: for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.